thank you for those who gave testimonies. And we'll, we'll do that in the future, too, so you'll have an opportunity. If you didn't uh, get a chance, we'll do that here and there in our services. My name's Chris. If you're new, my wife is sitting right there. We're new to the area. We came to Reading about a year ago uh, to plant a church. And so, honestly, it's been a challenge. Uh, it's, there's been a lot of obstacles, a lot of spiritual warfare. Uh, you have prayed for us. You have supported us. Uh, we couldn't have done this without Jesus, obviously, and the Spirit of God, but we couldn't have done it without you. And so we just want to say thank you. So it's been a year, a year anniversary on Monday. What's today? It was Monday, right? The 5th. And so um, just thankful to be here. We're going to launch this church on March 25th. Do I hear Yahoo! And so uh, it's, been a, it's been a year in the making. And so I want to talk to you about pushing back the darkness. We need to pray to push back the darkness. That's the title of the message, Psalm 107. We need you, Holy Spirit, to open our eyes. And so I'm going to read out of Matthew chapter 4. You don't have to turn there. This is a passage of scripture about the beginning of Jesus's ministry, Matthew chapter 4, verses 15 and 16. I'm going to read these verses. I want you to listen as you have your spot in 107 of the Psalms. Matthew chapter 4, verse 15, the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, the way of the sea, beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people dwelling in darkness. Now let me take those, turn it around a little bit, add some different wording. Matthew chapter 4, verses 15 and 16, the land of Reading and the land of Morgantown. The way of the sea, beyond the Schuylkill, Burks of the Gentiles, the people, what? Dwelling in darkness. Dwelling in darkness. Here's the title. I'm going to talk to you about praying to push back the darkness. Now, when we say darkness, we're talking about evil. We're talking about blindness. We're talking about spiritual blindness. We're talking about apathy temptation, disobedience to God, lies, deception, or crime. I don't know if you knew this, since 2002, studies have been done about Reading, and Reading in, in the areas of murder, rape, and burglary, and all those crimes are higher than the national average. There was a period of time in the middle of those years, since 2002 to 18, that it wasn't higher than the average, but all those other years, Reading has been leading the way. There is darkness in the land. There is darkness that needs to be pushed back. We're talking about darkness being a walk without God and contrary to God. Jesus said in John 8, 12, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in what? In darkness, but will have the light of life. It's faithlessness. It's not trusting in Christ. In 1246 of the same gospel, Jesus said, Whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. The Bible says in Romans 13, 12, we are to cast off the works of darkness. Paul refers to this world in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, as this present darkness. The psalmist knew it was God who could turn things around for him. It was the Lord my God, and I'm quoting, who lightens my darkness. 1828 Psalms. Now we're in Psalm 107, verse 10 down to verse 16. I want to show you three points of how do we pray back the darkness. I want you to know that it's possible by the power of God and by the spirit of the living God to pray in such a way that darkness is pushed back. That all of Reading 
will start to experience something very unusual because the church of God, it's not just Harvest, it's any church that wants to come to God and say, God, we believe that you can turn this around. We believe that people can be born again. We believe that darkness can flee. I don't know if the church in Reading is really believing that, but we have to. We have to be in that place. Psalm 107, the psalmist is writing about Judah and the nation who had been taken captive. Psalm 107, verses 10 to 16. Number one, write it in your notes. We're going to pray to push back the darkness. And when we're praying to push back the darkness, we're praying that, number one, that people will find freedom from the places of captivity they have found themselves in. We're praying freedom. God, would you grant freedom? Would you take the people that are caught up in the captivity of their sins, in the darkness, would you free them? Look at the verses, verse 10 to 12. 107, verse 10, some sat in darkness and in the shadow of death, prisoners in affliction and in irons, for they had rebelled against the words of God, and they spurned the counsel of the Most High. They bowed their hearts down with hard labor, and they fell down with none to help. Christ has come. Would you believe this? Do you believe this with all of your heart? He has come to free people from the captivity that they are caught up in. Would you believe that? Do you remember that day where you were saying to yourself, wait a minute, I am caught up in my sin. I am totally and completely in darkness. And then Jesus came and he set you free. He is the one that has the keys to the kingdom. He is the captain of, of, of those who are held captive. He is the one who will let you loose from the bondage of your sin and slavery. He is the one who says to the devil, the devil cannot have this one. And when you got born again, you were elected unto God. That's what it says in Ephesians. You were chosen before the foundation of the world. Somehow in all of that, in, in, in the mind, the wisdom, the providence, the sovereignty of God, the spirit of God, he was working inside of you at a specific point in time, and he was saying to Satan, Satan, you cannot have that one anymore. And you were set free from captivity. 1863, do you remember what happened in 1863? Three million slaves were freed. What was that called for you history Buffs, the Emancipation Proclamation, right? Well, we have a new Emancipation Proclamation for Reading. Harvest has a new one. It's still to set the captives free. There's 400,000 people in Greater Reading. 100,000, let's say 100,000 know Jesus. And that is a huge number. It's probably not that high. Going to church, loving Jesus, being discipled. 100,000, that leaves what? 300,000 people still caught in their sins. Who's going to go tell them? Who's going to go to them and say, listen, you can be free. You don't have to be captive by the devil anymore. You can understand that freedom. It says here in the text, we've already read it, that Judah, they sat in darkness. They sat in darkness. Honest confession. Anybody afraid of the dark? Or were when we were a kid, right? Anybody still afraid of the dark? You're like, yeah, that's still me. Nyctophobia, afraid of the dark. Uh, we're, we're still afraid of the dark here and there. Scott and I were here late one night. We had a meeting. Scott, Ben, and I were doing some leadership, praying together. And this is a while back. And 
after Ben had left and Scott and I were still talking. I don't know if Scott remembers this. And this place gets pretty dark in here. And so we were out in the lobby there and the lights are on. I said, Scott, let me dare you. Go into the auditorium all the way to the front in complete darkness. Would you do it? Did he do it? Come on, Scott, did you do it? No, you did I wouldn't do that. I mean, it's like, come on, we're still thinking darkness. It, it's, it's intimidating. Some of us were petrified of the dark when we were young. I want you to imagine, I want you to imagine complete blackness. Imagine being in a, in a room, and you walked into it, and you were expecting the light to go on, but the lights don't work, and you had to sit there. They were sitting in darkness. It's not like they even wanted to leave. It's like they were so bound and so captive to their sin and to the devil that they weren't even moving. They had been walking through the darkness. Maybe they stopped, but now they had sat in it. And they couldn't get themselves out of it. This is where Judah had found themselves. It says the irons kept them bound, unable to free themselves. What has led to this captivity? Well, look at the verse. It's verses 10 to 12. It says they rebelled. They rebelled against the words of God. You understand rebellion? How many people were rebellious teenager, right? Yeah, right. How many is that? One, two, three. That's it? When you think teenager, what do you think about? Rebellious. Everybody is, to some degree, rebellious. And if you're not rebellious outwardly because you're thinking you're a good old teenager when you were young, you were rebellious in your heart. Everybody is. I remember going into a cornfield and burning it down, playing with matches. Whole cornfield, just poof. I remember graffitiing the side of our apartment building. I was like 10 years old, you know. There was rebellion in my heart. I remember climbing on top of our elementary school. I said, I want to scale that school. And I went up the, the gutters, and I got up on top. Of course, it was against the law to do that, and the cops were called. We understand rebellion they rebelled, it said, against the words of God. God had given them counsel, and they spurned it. It says they fell down, they stumbled, and they kept tripping. They kept tripping. This is what happens. The counsel of God came to Judah. The word of God came to them. They rebelled. They pushed back on the word of God, and they kept tripping. When's the last time God gave you a counsel, a word? Seriously, listen to this, because some of you have heard the counsel of God. You know it's God speaking to you, and you're doing the pushback. You're doing the stiff arm, right? You're rebelling. It says there in the text, it says, they spurned the counsel of God. They fell down, and they stumbled, and they kept tripping. And some of us keep tripping. We're tripping, and then we're trying to get up again. And it's because there's some rebellion in our heart. Darkness is not only surrounding Redding. Listen, darkness is surrounding some of us. In various ways. And we need to pray to push back that. Some of your kids are far from God. They need revival. They need awakening. They're, they're, they're far from God. Push, pray. Push back God to darkness. Push it back so they can see. Push it back so their heart will be soft again. Push it back God. We can do that. We can push back the darkness when we turn to God and say, God, we want our kids to come back. We want our families to be revived. We want the church of Jesus in Reading to be different. We've got to pray that the darkness is pushed back. God responds. He's looking down at the church. He's not really looking at Reading. You know where he's looking first? He's looking at the church in Reading. Judgment begins where? Do you remember? At the house of God. It doesn't begin in Reading. God's not looking down at Reading. I'm going to bring judgment on Reading. He's saying to the church, church, 
I'm looking at you first. It starts with the church. It starts with us. You want to see something happen in Reading? It has to start at Harvest. First. You want to see something change in your family? You're saying your family's a mess. Oh, it's a mess. Your own heart. If there's darkness around you, pray that that pushes back. And watch what happens to your family, your kids. Revival will come to your home. There are a lot of people in our area. God, would you send, would you send freedom? Freedom from the captivity that is keeping them bound. I think about that prison that's up on, uh, where is that uh, lake up there? It's uh, Blue Marsh, right? Still learning the area. And so uh, you drive to Blue Marsh, and it's just it's super beautiful. It's on the left as you're going up. I don't know what road that is, but, but you look over to the right. What do you see? You see the prison, right? Are you guys with me on this visualizing? You know what I'm talking about? And so can you imagine going through there? And, of course, those people, I don't know if it's even guys or girls. Is it all guys there? Is it a mixture? Okay, suppose we go in there, and we're saying to all of them, you're free. Now, there's consequences. Go with the illustration here, because you don't want to just go in there and say, hey, come on out. You know, you're unlocking the doors. You know, you're free. You don't want to do that. I want you to go with the illustration here, because all of us, oh, I'm not as bad as that guy that's up in that prison. I'm not as bad as that girl that's up in that prison. Listen, we're, we were all captive to the devil before conversion. We can't forget that. But for the illustration, just imagine going up and down those halls and just having the keys and unlocking those. What do you think those people would be thinking? It's like, what, I can go free? What? The Emancipation Proclamation, there were 3, 3 million slaves set free, and a lot of them didn't act like free people because they saw themselves as slaves. They couldn't believe that they were free. We need to see some freedom around Reading, amen? We need to see chains starting to fall off and people to walk differently. Some of you, it's your dad, and your dad's not doing well spiritually. I'm just going to encourage you to pray back to darkness. It's your mom. It's your grandmom. It's your son. It's your daughter. It's your coworker. Anybody know a coworker where darkness is surrounding them? What can you do about that? Pray it. You're saying, I've prayed it for so long. So long. I don't pray it anymore. You can't give up on that. You never know when the breakthrough's coming. It could be coming this week. Tonight, something's going to happen inside of you. You're going to say, Holy Spirit's going to bring this truth, and all of a sudden, something's going to happen, and you're going to pray, and it's going to push back. And you're going to see them repenting. You're going to see them confessing. You're going to see them coming to church. You're going to see them coming to you going like, I don't know what's going on. I'm getting goosebumps even talking about because it's going to happen. It's already happening because I see it in your life. Because I know a year ago, you weren't doing as well spiritually. You've said it. What was all of that? There was some darkness. And it's being pushed back out of your life, out of all of our lives. Why? So we can pray so that others can come to freedom. Number two, we're praying to push back the darkness so that people will, number two, find forgiveness from the places of corruption that they found themselves in. Verses 13 and 14, if you'll take their, your eyes there. Verse 13, then they cried, look at this, then they cried to the Lord in their trouble. The trouble is implying not just circumstantial trouble, but it's internal, it's soul trouble. Uh, they realize that this, that this corruption is in their life, and they've cried to the Lord. And it says that he delivered them from their distress. He brought them out of darkness and the shadow of death, and he burst their bonds apart. He burst their bonds. This is a cry for forgiveness 
This is a cry turning to Jesus and saying, Jesus, I see my sin. I need forgiveness. Do you know this forgiveness? How many people remember the first day that you became a Christian? Raise your hand. First day, I was at Liberty University. I went to a Christian school, non-Christian. Can you imagine that? You do an interview. I don't know if you knew that. You, you signed an application. I did it, but I wasn't really born again. My freshman year, I remember, I walked an aisle, and you don't have to walk an aisle to become a Christian, but I, that's what they did. And so I walked an aisle, and I'm, I'm so nervous. I'm sitting up in the bleacher seats. I mean, this is like 6,000 people. I'm way up in the bleacher, nosebleed seats, and I'm thinking to myself, oh, I need forgiveness. I don't really have it. And then I'm, I'm all self-conscious. I'm thinking, oh, there's 6,000 people here. I don't want to walk all the way to the front from the back row. But here's what the Spirit of God said. Don't worry about that. You need forgiveness. The corruption that's in your life, it's going to be forgiven today. And I remember I said to myself and to God, and you got to remember I'm green. I'm like, a, you know, if you're green, you're growing. Just remember that. But if you're, if you're ripe, you're starting to rot. Don't ever forget that. Stay green. Stay green. Don't ripe. Ripe and you'll, get, you'll, you'll rot. So I, I took a step. I said, God, if you give me the strength on the first step, I want forgiveness. Give me the strength. And so in the bleachers, I'm thinking all my friends, what are they going to think? I'm supposed to be a Christian. I came to a Christian school. I signed the application. I was born again. I said, but I don't care. And I took that first step, and the tears started rolling with every step. And I walked down the bleachers to the front, and I'm in the front. I'm just crying. I'm saying, God, forgive me. Forgive me. I want the corruption in my life, the sin in my life to be forgiven. And that day, at a Christian school, Jesus Christ became my Savior and my Lord. I went back to my room, and all the guys were like high-fiving me. Crow, he's a Christian. He's a Christian. It was awesome. One guy gave me his Bible. He goes, he goes Keith, Keith said to me, Chris, I want you to have my Bible. I was saved. You were saved. We were redeemed, as Don mentioned that word. It's a great word. We were justified. We were converted. Forgiveness came to our house. Do you remember when you were first born again. There is corruption all around. Okay, I'm going to give you a little homework assignment. Are you ready for it? This morning, 3 o'clock, I want you to get in your car, and I want you to go to the roughest part of downtown Reading. Get out of your car. Just start walking around the streets, 3 o'clock in the morning. Who's up for that homework assignment? Well, why? Well, because there's, there's corruption. You know. I mean, it's, it's not safe there. But you know what? God's Spirit can go through there forgive people of their sin and set them free. Maybe he'll use us in the future to do that. I'm not encouraging you to go down there at 3 o'clock, all right? So don't call me 3 o'clock this morning and say, Pastor Chris, I'm downtown. Come save me. You told us to do this. Sins are overwhelming this city. Would you agree? Hey, listen, you don't have to go downtown where it's rough for houses to be in trouble, homes to be in trouble families to be in trouble. You can go to the suburbs too. You can go to those million dollar homes I've seen down in Moton. We're down in Elverson. I passed some of those. They're probably billion dollar homes down there. They're huge. And you go inside, there's, there's, there are people that need forgiveness because corruption is there too. So sometimes we think corruption is like garbage on the streets, you know, prostitutes walking and, and all that. No, corruption is everywhere. It's everywhere. Verse 14 says, he brought them out of darkness. God brings people out of darkness, and he does it as a result of people praying. As the church prays, this corruption is pushed back. This darkness is pushed back. Think about the corruption in our city and beyond, greater Reading. Think about 10 feet of snow dropping on Mount Penn. People freak out over, what, a quarter inch in Reading? <laughs> 
Seriously, I'm from New England. You get a foot of snow on the ground, you're thinking, yeah, maybe I shouldn't go out in that. In Reading, it's like a quarter inch, and people are freaking out. Imagine 10 feet on Mount Penn. It falls. 10 feet, it's landing. That would really scare the people of Reading. Then all of a sudden, the, the snow, it all lets loose, and it all starts coming down upon the city. Imagine 10 feet of an avalanche turns into 20 as it gains momentum. 30 feet of wall of snow coming down. Do you know what happens when you're caught up in an avalanche? They say it's like being buried in concrete. If you're in an avalanche, it's like you're in a bunch of concrete. You can't move. Corruption is like that in writing. It's like an avalanche just waiting to happen. I think harvest can have something to do with that. I want you to think about a person right now where they need the forgiveness of Christ. They need this corruption that's in their life uh, to be dealt with by the blood of Jesus and his cross. Does anybody know anybody that could really use that kind of prayer in your world, a coworker, family member, anybody? Raise your hand if you know somebody like that. That would probably be everyone. What are some of their first names? Can you just say it out loud? Dave, say it out nice and loud so I can hear you. Dave, Dave, we pray for, for his sins to be forgiven. Who else is it? Out loud, real loud. Shannon, God, we pray for Shannon to be redeemed, bought by the blood of Jesus Christ, and transformed. Anybody else? Kevin, we're praying for Kevin, God, that you would do a mighty work. Maybe on launch Sunday, if Kevin comes, that would be the day of his salvation. Who else? There was more hands than that. Let's do it. Let's pray. Jess, somebody said Jess. Jess, God, we pray for Jess. Who's another one? Michelle, God, use, use your spirit to bring these people to yourself. Forgive them of their sins. Help them to trust the gospel of Jesus Christ. A couple more? Michelle and Brandon. Somebody said Brandon. God, we pray for Brandon right now that you would totally and completely transform his life. Use Dave. Use him, Lord. Melanie. For Melanie, God. We're just going to keep praying for these people. We got, what, five, six weeks now before launch. Keep praying. Keep praying. Go to them. Invite them. Uh, talk to them. Lay hands on them. Show love to them that they would be forgiven of their sins and the corruption that they have been buried in like an avalanche. They'd be free from that. Amen? Number three. Pray that people will find favor from the places of compromise they have found themselves in. Verses 15 and 16, if you'll notice, 15 and 16. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love. The writer of Psalm 107 is wanting Judah to have this heart of gratitude, the mercy of God. We should have that towards the Lord because he is gracious. His steadfast love, his wondrous works to the children of man, it says there. And then verse 16, it says, For he shatters the door, doors of bronze, and he cuts into the bars of iron. The Lord was always steadfast in his love for Judah. And he's always steadfast in his love towards his people. And anybody and everybody compromises at various times. And the Psalms knows that. You remember David, who compromised greatly. Can I ask you a personal question? Have you ever compromised? Anybody? Anybody compromised somewhere just this past week? In a thought, word, right? We all do. But God's favor is still there. His blessing, his steadfast love towards Judah, and his steadfast love is towards the church and towards you and towards me. We all mess up, but God is always there. 
and he brings us back. It says in the Bible that a righteous man will fall seven times and get back up, right? Can I ask you another personal question? Have you ever fallen and tripped in your Christianity? How many people got into a marital spat this past week? Raise your hand. Okay. We got more in the back than, than others, right? But that's okay. That's okay. <laughs> Come Thursday night to the guys. You'll be able to share your heart on that. And we got compromise. We got compromise. There are people in our city that have been taken to this place of compromise, and you and I as Christians have compromised. I have compromised. I wish I could say that my life through the last 30 years as a Christian has been one of complete godliness and complete holiness and humility. I'm telling you, the battle with pride, the battle with purity, the battle with being selfish, I have all of that. I really can't wait till heaven one day because I'll be completely free from the flesh. But for now, it's a battle. It's a battle. And we all compromise. So this isn't just for Reading. This is for all of us. We need to have revival. And I know that some revival is coming to some of your homes because I've talked to you and your kids are far from God. And they're struggling with apathy, indifference, maybe some spiritual blindness. And there's darkness that's surrounding their life. I can remember probably about four or five months ago, maybe a little bit longer, God was just giving me a word. It was, it was crazy. It was, wasn't like a vision or something. It was like this discernment was coming to my mind as we were worshiping. And I got a little bit afraid because I'm thinking, what are people going to think of that? And I was getting this picture of darkness on the heels of someone in our church, on the heels. And I saw it. It was like darkness was, was clawing after the heels of this person. And, I, and I'm sitting here, and I'm going, like, God, you want me to say that? I mean, that, that's kind of creepy kind of out there and I just knew it was the spirit of God and I turned around and I said I just I just want to share this and I shared it and afterwards a young man came up to me he goes you were talking about me I said well what are you talking about he said well I've been in this environment of, of just complete agnosticism and atheism and and it's like that that darkness was on my heels and trying to pull me back Darkness is at some of our doorsteps. We've got to push that back with prayer. Amen? We've got to push that back. If you could kill the lights there for me, John. Let me just kind of illustrate this for you. We are called to be lights in a dark world, right? Lights in a dark world. And so here's what's going to happen. Here's what's going to happen. Can you kill these two, brother? Nyctophobia. It's not too dark in here. We'll be okay, right? But I want you to think about something because we are the light. Jesus says that we are the light. He is the light of the world. Jesus is in us by the power of the Spirit of God. And so it's like you and I. Steve is battling with addiction. Steve is struggling. And Jeff and I go to Steve and say, Steve, listen, man. We're here to help. We're here to say, Jesus can set you free. You don't have to be a captive anymore. And we point that light on him. We say, Jesus can save you. Jesus can cause you to be born again. Jesus can release you from the captivity that you're in. That's what he's calling Harvest Reading to do. 
We go to Sue, and Sue is just struggling because her husband left her, left the family. She's terrified. And we go and we say, Sue, Jesus, we're here to talk to you about him. We love you. We'll walk with you through the suffering and the difficulty and the pain. Harvest is being called to do this. We're going to pray with you. Darkness is trying to come in, trying to get your mind, despair, depression. We're here to say, you know what? Jesus can help you. You're the light in a dark world. God is calling us. Thanks, John. God is calling us to be that. We've got six weeks to really ramp it up in prayer and even fast for these people. Check out this honking chain, man. This is just the biggest, baddest thing. Look at this. Somebody said, can you curl that? I don't think so. This is kind of heavy. But Brett can curl it. I bet he's young. This thing is heavy. I want you to imagine just like this on your, on your wrists. There are people walking around in Reading, people that you know, and they're held captive, and they can't free themselves. There is no way if this was around my, my wrists and my ankles that I could free myself. But you know what? We can pray that Jesus would set people free from their sins and their captivity, and they can be born again, and they can be transformed. This will not keep them held captive. Wow, this is heavy. Jesus can take the chains off of people's ankles, off of their wrists, and he'll do that as a result of the people of God praying. So we got six weeks. Who is it? John? Is he bound up in these? Is it Sally? Who is it? Is it your mom? Is it your child? Is it your dad? God help us. We've been called to this. God's going to move. Some of the people that you've been praying for, they're going to be there on the 25th. My wife and I are just going nuts inviting as many people as we can. Not counting you, we've met probably 30 to 40 different people. Real estate agents, lawyers, all that kind of stuff. All of them are getting invitations. They might have churches they go to, that's cool, if it's a good church. But we're just asking, would you come on that one day? Because you never know on that one day how God the Spirit will do something profound in their life. I can't wait for that day. Because I don't know their personal life, but I know that possibly they've been chained up. Depression and despair and hopelessness. I'm going to start a four-week series on Launch Sunday on hope. Job said, where is my hope, he said. That'll be the title of the four-part series beginning on Launch Sunday, going four weeks. Because this city and some of your life has been hope deferred. And when hope is deferred, it's delayed. That's what it means, deferred, delayed. Your heart is growing sick. It's sick. Your heart is sick. We live in a sick city. I'm not talking about the sin. I'm talking about a depression, a despair that hovers over this area. Harvest Reading is going to be used of God to push back the darkness. Amen? God, as we sing this last song, glorify your great name. We want to be prayer warriors. We want to battle. We want to fast. That You would help us, Lord, to be these kinds of people that would pray for our kids, our relatives, our neighbors, our coworkers, maybe even our enemies, Lord, that we would pray back the darkness that's in their life. 
would you please, by your mercy and by your grace, free people from the captivity that they're in. Forgive them, Lord, of the corruptions. Bring back favor in their life, blessing, all the compromises. I want you to think about those people that you raised your hand and you even spoke their name out loud and others right now. Just flash, their, flash them before your eyes right now and just start praying for them. God, please do a mighty work on launch Sunday. Bring them out, miraculously bring them out and do what only you can do. In Jesus' mighty name, let's stand and let's worship the Lord.